Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, a weekly podcast dedicated to real people with honest dreams. Today is Friday, February 8th, 2013. And on this day in history, Jules Verne, the ahead of his time science fiction writer, was born in 1828. Happy birthday, dude. In our first segment, we'll talk to the map maker to the king, a country music singer-songwriter, and a craft beer brewmaster. Our second segment will feature a Kickstarter alum, a filmmaker with a unique story to tell. And third, in the elevator pitch this week, a novelty toy maker tells DJ Grandpa why she needs the money. Our first guest is Jamie Reed. He's a graphic designer from Charlotte, North Carolina. All right, let's call him up. This is Jamie Reed. This is Jamie. Yeah, how you doing, guy? I'm doing really good. Oh, that's good, man. I just finished watching your video, man. It's pretty goofy, isn't it? Oh, man, I watched it like ten times in a row tonight. My friend joked that it sounded like I shot my video in a trash can. Dude, it was effective. It worked, man. It doesn't matter if he shot it in a trash can or what. It was effective, and it worked. And that's what matters. Very cool. I'm like a stalker, man. I can't stop watching that video, man. It just makes me laugh. I'll take some internet stalkers. That's all right. Matter of fact, I'm going to watch that before every video I do, man. I'm going to watch that video. Very cool. United States of America. Why? It happened on a trip to visit my parents. My wife was driving, and I drew a North Carolina steak on a plate. I have no idea why I drew it. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, I was flipping through my little book, and that would be kind of funny to do. I made a little sticker out of it, and then I kind of expanded it to the entire United States. So it was like a vision or something. It was. It was kind of random, and I just ran with it, and a couple of my friends liked it. Now, where were you headed when you were having this vision? I was going to see my parents, I think, over Thanksgiving. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you come in. I'm just putting the finishing touches on my United States poster. I've meticulously designed each state as a tasty, tasty piece of meat, and I'll need your help to get it printed. I was at Slate yesterday, Slate Magazine, and, you know, they were asking me, what am I doing? And I said, well, I have this new podcast called DJ Grandpa's Crib, you know. I said, I love the Kickstarter community, so I'm basically doing everything Kickstarter, the world of Kickstarter. And I said, I have an interview tomorrow with Jamie Reed, and they were like, what about? And I was like, well, he has this United States of America. And they are like, man, that sounds pretty cool. I was like, it's insane, man. I was like, the dude has his poster, and everyone gets a paper hat. I love the paper hats, man, and, and the notebook and that all that. That was very random at the end. That just came out at the end. So, that was the video. The first day your project came out, I sent you a message because it was just too funny, you know, with the paper hats and all of that, and I saw the rubber stamp, you know, United <laughs> you know, with the company logo and all that. And it's just a way to have a whole lot of fun, man, and, and I wanted to thank you for that. Video is great. It's simple. I see you've had a great deal of success on Kickstarter. Would you like to tell us about that? How's the community treating you? It's been uh, great so far. This has been my first project, so didn't know what to expect. Uh, kind of aimed low on this one. <laughs> kind of set my bar at just breaking even. So I didn't expect to make any money. I just wanted to make a poster. I have to pay out of pocket to do it. It got funded within the first couple of days, and... Then I think the second or third day it was up, it got included on a email blast from Kickstarter. So it went out to, I don't know how many inboxes, but I'm sure it's in the millions, or and then it just shot kind of through the roof. But 
I've been hearing from a lot of people just asking for advice. Uh, I got some hate mail from <laughs> someone asking if I've ever been to a slaughterhouse. Ah, vegans. I got someone that was angry that Alaska and Hawaii weren't actually to scale. <laughs> 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 she was uh, apparently from Alaska, and she's like, we're sick and tired of being known as the state <laughs> off of the coast of Arizona. And I was like, wow, somebody took the time to sit and write like a four-paragraph email about this. <laughs> It's pretty crazy to see the amount of response I've gotten, but a lot of great comments and a lot of positive feedback, so wow. it's uh, good to get the good and the bad. Uh, well, you know, you, you might pay for that in the long run, but I really like the map, man. That's all I know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, actually, I heard from a lot of butchers and people in the food service industry and stuff like that. So, How many days do you have left on your program? I think it ends on Valentine's Day. Okay. So consequently, on my birthday, too, is on Valentine's Day. All right, now, if I don't see you on Facebook or something, happy birthday. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say to your backers? I mean, to the backers, I appreciate the response. Still blown away. I can't say that enough. Anyone that needs a meat poster, you like meat, you like paper hats, jump on the meat train. That's what I keep saying. Spread the word. Anyone that's not into meat, it's all in fun. So let's try to keep it light. I just wanted to say thank you very much for taking your time out to give me an interview. And it's been a lot of fun, man. And I got to keep watching that video. And I told my children that you were the map maker to the king. <laughs> to the king? That's a very high order. I hope I can live up to that. I know, but that's what I've been billing you as because I'm always selling something all the time. So I told the children, uh, I was like, I have an interview with the map maker to the king. I like that. That would be my new signature in my emails, map maker to the king. Mr. Reed, thank you very much and good luck with everything. Alright, you too. Thanks again. So if you're a fan of posters, maps, or paper hats, or just a sweet, sweet taste of meat, let's jump on this meat wagon and take a ride to Montana. Everyone gets a paper hat. And behind door number two, I have Adam Nash, co-founder and composer at Artisans Inc. You'll notice I broke the number one rule for any host. Never insult the guest. So we finally decided... Let's do this. Let's take the risk. Take the plunge. We need to make this game. And we quit our jobs in the game industry and began work on ours. Hey, I see that you quit your jobs. What are you, crazy? You and your team quit uh, your day jobs? We did. We quit our day jobs because uh, we are crazy. And it was really tough. So, yeah, we've been living off of a very, very small initial investment. And we've been doing the starving artist thing for a while and finally getting some validation. And it was a good decision from this campaign. <laughs> that wasn't the first question I was going to ask you, but after I heard your voice, I just couldn't help acting like I was someone's dad or something like that, man. I asked you a crazy question like that. So, I understand a little bit about video games, but remember, I'm saying I'm DJ Grandpa, so, you know, I'm still talking like arcade or... You know, I'm talking about Pac-Man or something. So what is this cooperative gaming, customizable? What What is this? Well, cooperative means, or co-op for short, it's multiplayer gaming where instead of being against each other, the players work together against the computer. So co-op can be anything from you sitting next to your buddy, you know, in front of the TV, or in nowadays more and more, it's um, you and your buddy are connected on the Internet and you're playing a game online together. And the customization aspect is pretty much the heart of Artisan. You know, a lot of games right now are offering 
creative potential in their games, like a game like Minecraft has infinite creative potential, and we can see that through all the YouTube videos that come out of all the different places that people are recreating in the Minecraft world. And what we want to do is apply that concept to the character. So everything in Artisans is built around being able to customize your character uh, however you want them to be. How complicated is this game? Do you mean for the user or for us to build it? I guess for the user, actually. There's nothing too complex, you know, in terms of when you see a screenshot of something like World of Warcraft and you see UI elements all over the screen and all sorts of different choices and menus. We're not doing that. Instead, we're keeping a lot of that behind the scenes, and hopefully the game, in terms of controls and the customization in the workshop, is all very accessible, but hopefully that also doesn't mean that it's not deep as well. So we're planning for an extremely complex array of possibilities um, that is very hard on our end to build and to balance, but for the user, we're doing everything possible to make it clean and not complex seeming at all. I read that this game took you about a year to put together, and to me, from what I've read, that seems pretty quick for the development of gaming software. Yeah, that's extremely quick, and I should note that we're not done by any means. You know, we have six people on the team, and we didn't have, we started with three, it's myself and my two co-founders, Charles and Kai, who are the lead designer and the programmer, respectively. In about a year, we got a lot of the core systems working. So, you know, you can play online, all the networking code works, the core engine, which is written in C++, works. We have a couple of the crafts and weapons working in the game. We have um, an enemy working in the game, and the rest is just a matter of assuming we're successful with Kickstarters, spending that money to get us to Alpha. So, all said and done, getting to Alpha should be about a year and a half. And that's not even the gold release. The official release is probably still a couple of years away. I watched your trailers. Very exciting. I really like the music. Um, I like the graphics. Oh, thank you. The graphics almost seem like, I don't know, like the children's story sort of kind of. I mean, not in a bad way. I'm not trying to put you guys down. I'm just saying I really like the colors. And, you know, it's not too realistic. It still looks playful. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You picked up on uh, exactly what we were going for. Do you have anything to say about violence in video games? People have been saying this about violent movies. People ask Quentin Tarantino the very same questions. My answer is that if you can't distinguish reality from entertainment, then there's something deeper psychological going on. And right. I grew up playing a lot of violent video games. And in game world, you know, I've murdered tons of people. But... I can't hurt a fly in real life, so just, I know I'm a sample size of one here, but, but, you know, I... <laughs> You've murdered I millions of people? <laughs> I've murdered millions of people in video games, and I, I mean, I actually tend toward, towards not liking violent video games, and by violent, I mean gratuitously violent. Yes. I personally find something like Grand Theft Auto, it's fun. And that's a classic. It is the classic. The writing is fantastic. The story is fantastic. The gameplay is solid. It's an incredibly immersive world. It's everything great from a game standpoint. I did always find it a little disturbing that, you know, when your only interaction in a game is to hurt somebody. Scale of 1 to 10, how violent do you believe your video game is? Um, I'd call it a 5. Okay. We don't have a lot of, like, blood effects. It's very cartoon violence. We are a far, we're far away from getting an M rating. I think we'd be teen rating at worst, if not a 10 plus rating, actually. You swing swords, but you're always fighting monsters, and um, 
You didn't know, like, blood or, or guts or anything? To me, I watched a game, and from what I saw from the graphics and stuff, it looks like chaos theory, but to me, it doesn't feel as though your game is that violent. I mean, life is about obstacles, and I believe your game provides that, so I really didn't look at it as far as it being that violent. Actually, I think what you just said is awesome. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I want people to come Like, you come overcome obstacles, and we want these fights to be really challenging, and the way we want you to overcome these obstacles is through your creativity. We want you to, to come up with a character that's expressive of who you are and how you want to play, and overcome the obstacle your way. I'm a news producer, and I also produce music at times. You know, this cult music producer I call myself or whatever. So sometimes, more than not, those records are violent. So I'm not trying to put you down or anything. My belief is that we're all part of the problem. I don't think it's just video games. I believe it's the music that we produce, the films that we produce. I believe it's a mixture of everything. So I don't believe we can look at the film and gaming and music and the entertainment industry as a whole and just blame them. I believe that we're all part of it because we all consume all of that stuff. And we have for generations. And, and there seems to be no signs of stopping. I agree. Well said. Adam Nash Artisans has roughly 700 backers. On Kickstarter, please check out their Kickstarter page. What would you like to say to your backers and potential supporters before this campaign is over? I would just like to say thank you all so much. We've been really excited about this for a really long time, and you're all validating that, that this is a good idea, this is fun, and I can't wait to join you in Ryza and see what you all make. That's the name of the game, Ryza? Ryza is the name of uh, the world that the game seems Oh, like. cool, cool. I didn't know that part. Well... In parting, I believe that you guys are going to create a whole new generation of couch potatoes. And that's all I really have to say. Thank you for coming on the show and have a good day. Thank you so much. No episode of DJ Grandpa's Crib would be complete without a musical segment. Meet Carl Anderson, a singer-songwriter from Charlottesville, Virginia. This is his second album and his second Kickstarter campaign. I don't need an earthly father Tell me what to do or say I've come to rely on a heavenly kind Help me out of the If I get lost So the name of your record is called Risk of Lost? Yes. I see that you've been touring a great deal for the last couple years. I've been out on the road playing shows. Mostly I've been in the East and, uh, in the southeast. I think I consider myself mostly a country music singer. I've also really gotten into like the older country music, 70s singer-songwriters. So how has the Kickstarter community treated you this time? I've funded half of my first record. I raised just over $5,000. I think it's a great way to try and raise money and make an album. And that's why I've, I've come back to it, is besides the fact that I don't have a lot of money to make it. Now tell me about your new album. It's a lot different than my first album, Wolfhound. There's a couple like really stark ballads, and there are some rockers. I've got 15 songs. I feel good about the material, and uh, I think they're the best songs I've written. Yeah, you have a beautiful voice, man, and I really like the song... 
It said something about, uh, I love pills. I've been telling people that it's a confused gospel record because, I don't know, I think there are a lot of religious undertones. Yeah. I think a lot of it's about a person sensing their mortality. Pills ain't working. My hands still shake when I God take it away, I force a smile Go about my day What did I do? Deserve feeling this way That's about an older person who's uh, been kind of uh, weathered and one sad, you know, faith and went to church and believed in God, but then, you know, certain things happen in the character's life and they don't believe anymore or have faith anymore because uh, because life has been so hard. And yeah. The pills ain't working, you know, my hands still shake, you know, it's just about an older person. I'm DJ Grandpa, you know, all that, but I wrote mm-hmm. somehow now that I'm older, I understand that song. <laughs> <laughs> so That's a sad song, yeah. But it's a beautiful song, and I hope everyone will go to your Kickstarter page. And it's at the end of the video, but it's a beautiful song. And Thank you. if that song turns out in the studio and makes the album, it'd be pretty incredible. I like that song a whole lot, so I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna make sure it goes on the record. Now I see you're doing the whole independent artist thing. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about places like Mondo Tunes and TuneCore and the whole digital distribution thing, how supposedly everything is now in your hands. You can keep all the money. (laughs) How do you feel about all of that? I think the business right now is more of an art um, than it ever has been. I think it's just always changing. You know, people are winning Grammy Awards with records they make in their houses now. There are no rules anymore to what you can do with your music. You know, you're totally capable of uh, being heard by a lot of people because of, you know, YouTube and TuneCore and yeah, I love it, man. You know, totally embracing it. Well, 13 years ago, you would have said MTV and not YouTube. Yeah. That's a big change in itself. Or if you're country music, I guess, instead of YouTube, you would have said CMT, you know, country music <laughs> television. And right, exactly, yeah. They're all owned by MTV, but you didn't mention either, right. so that says a lot. I hope that in your independent career that you can make a great living and I guess, like I said, I guess now you can make all the money. You can keep all the money. I think it's all about going out and playing shows. I mean, you can really end up making a good living working outside of the industry. I know guys that do it, and they have good, steady income. They're not paying the label, you know. If you haven't heard his voice, if you haven't heard him play, go to his Kickstarter page and check it out for yourself. He's pro-level, in my opinion. He could go somewhere. He just needs the right push. <laughs> I mean, you sound just as good as anyone else on the radio. And you probably sound better live than on any record. That's the feeling that I get from you. I've got a great little band that I, I tour around with. And so you've got to be out there spreading the word and playing music. Man, it's like the gospel. I got you. I got you. You have a special reward on your page. I see there's CDs. I see there's uh, T-shirts. But you also have, I love the part, concert tickets for life. I don't know how you're going to pull that off, but uh, it's interesting. (laughs) Somebody's willing to 
throw in that kind of cash, I'd give him concert tickets for life. Okay, Carl Anderson is on record. He stands by his offer of concert tickets for life. Like I said, I don't know <laughs> how he's going to pull it off, but, but when he makes it, when he's up there, I guess, he, you know, it's... It's just an extra person on the guest list, like you said. That's right, exactly. All right, Carl Anderson, I wish you the best. From Charlottesville, Virginia, singer, songwriter, the duo. Good luck on your Kickstarter page. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me on the show. falling down, I'd be by your side. With my arms open wide, you know I would. If the sun was in your eyes, I'd shade them with my hands reaching out towards you. If you like beer, put your hands in the air. Up next, we speak to a very funny brewmaster from Hampton Roads, Virginia. Thomas Wilder is co-founder of the Young Veterans Brewing Company. Let's give a listen. DJ Grandpa calling of DJ Grandpa's crib. Gotcha. That's such a funny name. We laughed when we saw your name. You did? Yeah, we chuckled. But we thought it was hilarious. Well, it's not really to make fun. It's just I feel like it's clever. <laughs> and I really like the name of your company, uh, the Young Veterans Brewing Company. I think it's ingenious. I love the logo. Yeah, yeah I like all the marketing behind it. My name is Thomas Wilder, and I am one of two owners at Young Veterans Brewing Company. I am a veteran of the United States Army National Guard, and I served one year in Iraq during 2004. I first got into brewing with my business partner, Neil McCannon, in 2007. We were both immediately hooked, and within our first few extract batches, Neil and I decided we wanted to do this for a living. Now, the distilled spirits industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Everybody knows that, and you guys want a slice of it. That's right. And I see that you guys are promoting all over the place, giving out interviews because Kickstarter is a full-time job trying to raise that money. It's not easy. And there are thousands of projects online to compete with. That's right. So what makes you guys unique besides the obvious of the whole military connection, which I really like? Neil and I have been friends since we were in high school. And we set out to do something together you know, around the time that we were 18. And, and we didn't come up with anything right out of high school and ended up joining the military at separate times. And when we came back from those experiences, we ended up, you know, becoming friends and moving in together and ended up doing something completely different. You know, we did theater together in high school. Hi, my name is Neil McCann. I'm the other owner and future head brewer for Young Veterans Brewing Company. I'm a 10-year veteran of the U.S. Army and Army Reserve, where I currently serve as a drill sergeant. I attended the Siebel Institute of Technology in Chicago and Munich, and I hold an international degree in brewing technology. We always knew that we wanted to work together in some capacity. I guess what makes us unique is that we've been friends for over 12 or 13 years now at this point. You know, started in theater and ended in brewing somehow. And we also um, were kind of like doing that now. We did a couple of comedic commercials, and they're on the Kickstarter page. If I you saw check it out. We're just... Two guys really just trying to make a living for ourselves to show veterans out there that there is life after service, and we just want to be a good example. We chose the name Young Veterans Brewing Company because that is what we are, and that is who we hope to represent in the Hampton Roads craft beer scene. With beers called New Recruit Honey Blonde Ale, Pineapple Grenade Hefeweizen, Night Vision American Stout, Semper Phi PA, and Jet Noise, 
We hope to gain support not only from the current lovers of high-quality handcrafted ales, but from the local military. Young Veterans Brewing Company presents Pineapple Grenade. Go ahead, pull the pin. You're also in a band. Yes, I am. And you sent me a file of that song, and I really liked it. How do you find all the time to be a brewer, a husband, family man, and in a band? I manage my time well, I guess, and, you know, it's all about discipline, something that I learned being in the Army. Just you have to force yourself to do the things that you need to do in order to achieve your goals. There's a mission at hand, and you've got to achieve it, and that's sort of the way I've always kind of approached it and looked at it. What is a high-speed quality brew? Does that have something to do with the new technological advance or something like that? Well, high speed, for those that are not in the military or haven't served or not savvy in the area, high speed is refers to elite. So in the Army, high-speed soldiers are always the ones who finish first, or um, they just stand out amongst the others. And so for us, that was very catchy, uh, high-speed, high-quality beer because a lot of breweries use that sort of high quality and then something else. And I figured with the military thing, um, high speed was definitely the way to go for that. And I hear that the craft beer movement is Mm -hmm. booming. And I also heard you guys say in the video that Hampton Roads is the largest military market in the United States. It seems as though you guys are in a perfect position to take advantage of that. I mean, once, you know, you finish your Kickstarter, you raise your funds, you get the equipment you need, and you start off as this local brewery. I mean, it seems like an an incredible opportunity. I really hope so. Could you tell me a little bit about the craft beer movement? Right now in America, people are demanding better quality. We've been fed Budweiser and Miller and Coors for long enough, and a lot of people are making the switch to more flavorful, more high-quality beer. Another movement that's occurring is the local craft beer movement, where a lot of people are looking for that craft beer as close to home as they possibly can because they want to support local businesses and they want the freshest possible ingredients that they can possibly get their hands on. So our idea behind the business was to create a name for the brewery that represented the area because I feel like a lot of the brewers that I love and the breweries that I love, they represent their town. And, and you know, we live in a military town, USA right now. So we figured Young Veterans would be a great name. Could you tell me a little bit about your band and the song that I'm about to play? My band is called Carnival Barker, and we actually got that name from Barack Obama when all that mess was going on about his birth certificate. You know, he said, let's not be distracted by Carnival Barker's and sideshows, and then we just thought that was great, so we, we took the name, and at the time we didn't have a name, we've been playing for about five years now. The song that I sent is called Golden Ticket, it's a song that I wrote while I was teaching in high school, and I was just kind of observing, you know, lots of, uh, I guess, complacency amongst students, you know, lots of kids just kind of sitting around, and instead of taking advantage of what they have, and then knowing what I know about the world, where there are people who would just give anything to be in their position, that's sort of what inspired the song. Are you and Neil both in the band? No, just me. Okay, what do you play? I sing for the band.
much, Thomas Wilder, and please tell Neil McGannon that I said thank you very much, and um, good luck to you and the Young Veterans Brewing Company. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate it. Up next, we talk to a young man who already has his money, Matthew Pickett, a passionate young film student from the Rochester Institute of Technology. I loved your restitution teaser. I loved the cinematography, and I watched The River King that you did. Only when they turned it into a really good trout stream and people started seeing dollar signs. That's what it's all about. My first real film, as I like to call it, now is a documentary. I was a winner at the Rosebud Film Festival, I guess it was two weekends ago. And the day after I won, I uh, got accepted into another festival into D.C. And I'm now in the process of applying for a Student Academy Award and a couple other festivals after that. This is, of course, you know, long after I finished the movie. It's been probably, oh, I don't know, 10 months since I finished the film. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with this film. I'm moving on to restitution. And then all of a sudden, good news happens. So now I'm working basically on two films. I'm promoting King's River. I'm finishing restitution. And I have to... Now think of my senior thesis, which I have to pitch in like two months. So, uh, so I'm a pretty busy guy at the moment, but that's sort of my, my history behind film is I, I, really, I really like to share, you know, just yeah. whatever art it is and hey, whether or not it helps people, whether or not it brings people together, whether or not it does anything, I know that it did for me. And I would like to do the same thing because at some point I feel like, you know, if I have a message that can get out to somebody that helps one person who's in a bad spot, well, that's exactly how I got him out of my bad spot. It meant the world to me, so maybe it'll mean the world to somebody else. Give me a short bio about yourself. You know, Rochester Film Institute, Blacksburg, Virginia. I had a chronic illness when I was in sixth grade, and to cope with the pain that I had, because I couldn't go to school and I was pretty isolated for a very long time, I sort of had this moment of, aha, you can make films if you take pictures, move your little object just a little bit and take another picture and put it together really fast. And so from there, I used that as a coping mechanism. I had little Lego guys moving around and doing different things. And so that's what really inspired me. And then from there, I knew what I wanted to do. And I directed the senior film at the high school. And from there, I went to RIT, the film school there, which is a technical school. It's not an art school. So we touch real film cameras, 16-millimeter cameras, about the second week. So it's very hands-on, and it gives you a lot of opportunity to really experiment early on so that, you know, when you're a third year, when you're a second year, you have this base of knowledge that I think a lot of other art schools don't begin to develop early on. This project is really special, but we need your support to make it happen. Any amount of donation will give us that extra step forward into making this project happen. So please donate. And from everybody in the cast and crew, thank you very much for watching. What would you like to say to your backers or those who supported you through social media on this project? What I want to say to them is sort of give them a look into my world and where I want to go so that not only do they sort of have an understanding of the project, but of the understanding of the industry because I feel like it's sort of misrepresented. You, you see, you know, films like The Transformers or something, and well, I mean, they're good in their own right. I feel a lot of people just sort of see the Hollywood glamour and maybe not the other side, and I would really like to introduce them to you know, the hard work and the really long, drawn-out process that, you know, a film takes to make. I mean, I've been working, this is probably my, I guess it's four and a half, my fifth month maybe, uh, working on restitution. And, I mean, the film itself is a short film. It's not going to be that long. 
Uh, I think it runs approximately 10 minutes right now, but, you know, it's just because it's a special thing making a film. It's very personal, but so many people are involved. You know, everyone's name that, that donated to it is going to be on the film, and I, I hope that they also feel sort of an ownership to it because it is a group effort. Regardless of how personal the project is to me, none of it would have happened if they hadn't stepped up and donated could you tell me a little bit about the film restitution? The film is about a rural Appalachian family around 1890-1900. We have the oldest son. He's murdered and the circumstances are sort of murky and the middle son who who can't quite live up to his, his shining older brother, you know, the standard bearer of the family and his dad kind of looks down upon him. And it's really about the middle son trying to fill the shoes of the older brother who was that, you know, he was the prime son. And he wants revenge on the people that killed his older brother. Now, I don't have to ask you what are you passionate about, because I can already feel that. That's film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I love the outdoors more than anything else. I love restitution because I would say 90% of the film takes place it was outdoors. It was cold some days. But you know what? I love just being outside and doing things outside. It's it's the most genuine type of filmmaking, I would say. I mean, you can go into a sound studio and fabricate everything you want. And there's a time and place for that. It can yield some wonderful results. Yeah. But there's nothing beats, you know, seeing a sweeping panorama because you can't fake that. Well, you could on a green screen, but I don't have the resources to fake that. And there's something special about actually being out there and doing it. So I love the outdoors and filmmaking, I guess. How hard is this craft? I think it was September 12th of 2012, somewhere around there. I knew I wanted to make a Western, and I can say pretty much with a guarantee that I work every single day, except for maybe one or two, on restitution. I can only think of maybe one or two days that I simply didn't make a call or write something or, you know, produce in some fashion, uh, because it takes that long, especially with such a film that requires animals, it requires so much insurance. You know, we knew we were shooting with the red cameras, so we had to, you know, get more insurance for that. We had to find the rental facility. I would say the week leading up to production and into production itself, I would sleep no more than two hours a day because if I wasn't organizing something, I was talking to somebody planning for the shoot. If I wasn't doing that, I was going, meeting people, making sure that final preparations were good to go. It's this constant struggle of just really making sure everything's going. And, of course, I was wearing so many hats that I, you know, I had to. So it's not quite natural for somebody to be doing that. But, you know, on some level, it's one of the most time-consuming things because you're not only worried about the technical side, the logistical side, but you're also worried about art. And art takes so long to produce. Yeah. I would never stray anybody away from it because if they truly believe in the project, it doesn't matter about the time because it's what you want to do. I mean, obviously, everyone's heard the quote, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's not really true. Because there's times that I was like, I do not want to work on this project. <laughs> Sometimes people ask me about producing records, and mm-hmm. they say, well, how do you feel about it? And I say, when, when it all works out, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's like being in yes. the key of life. And I said, but when it doesn't work out, it's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> you know? I could definitely see that. If a film doesn't come together right, I mean, obviously... I would feel really bad if I spent five months of my life and it'd be like, oh, no. But if you really believe in it, though, I, I feel like more times yeah. than not you'll succeed because it's just, there's, there's just some type of passion that, that shines through and, All it, right. and it goes. So About the funds from Kickstarter, mm-hmm. 
I have to ask this question because, you know, I've, I've just been talking a lot about Kickstarter nonstop, studying, whatever. But sometimes I'm told that I wouldn't really go to Kickstarter because it's like you really only get money from your friends. And if your friends are broke or if your friends aren't really going to give you any money, you're not going to raise any money. So I wanted to ask you, if that were so, did you need Kickstarter at all? Couldn't you have just gone to your friends and gotten the money? I mean, in the film industry, if you get jobs because of who you know. I mean, that's just sort of how it works. And that's sort of how Kickstarter works. I would say, you know, people I had completely no idea who they were, I didn't get that much money from them. But, you know, they have a cold call and say, hey, give me $200 or, you know, however much I'm asking and just send me a check. Uh, I think people would be adverse to that, even some of the people I knew. But if it's on a site like Kickstarter, I think it gives you a little bit more legitimacy because you're going to a third party. So with Kickstarter... It gives you that extra level of professionalism. You know, I spent the time to make a teaser trailer. I myself was on there and I, and I spoke to the audience. You know, I wasn't just asking for money and then who knows where it went. All the funds, you know, went to the camera rental. They went to, uh, you know, getting craft services. They went to uh, travel expenses for some of the crew. They went to, you know, all the different things that, you know, are completely necessary in order for the film to work. And... Um, it made more people that I know donate to the cause rather than just the people that are really close to me. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show, Matthew. And I don't know. I, I just have a really good feeling about your work, and I was happy to back your project. And I'm looking forward to seeing restitution when it's done. Thanks for having me on. It's been good. Okay, we're at the end of the show. Or... Almost at the end of the show, where DJ Grandpa's favorite part is called the elevator pitch. So you guys are totally obsessed with zombies. I think so. And it's three of you. It's uh, myself, my husband, and his sister, who is Kyla. She's the artist. Hez, do you know what an elevator pitch is? No. So explain. The elevator pitch is basically for those Kickstarter campaigns, those people who are trying to raise money, and they're nearing the end of their fundraising campaign. So you pretend that I'm like a guy in an elevator with a suit, you know, like one of those money guys or something. Okay. And you need the money. So you get in the elevator and you push a floor, I push a floor, and you see that you only have like two minutes to give this right. guy who has the money, which is, i.e., the Kickstarter community, or it could be a girl, whatever, right? you know, your pitch. Here's your turn. Now, why do you deserve the money? I've got kids that have bought these. They're superheroes. They take them to school with them. I've got guys that drive around with them in their car and feel like it's some kind of protection from, well, whatever. If you think the world's coming to an end and uh, the zombies are completely going to take over, they feel like carrying their rock around is going to prevent them from uh, danger or destruction. We're the only pet zombie rock. We've just taken an old icon toy and made it relevant today. And we like to think of ourselves as zombie aficionados who totally dig zombies and vintage toys. We're all about reduce, reuse, and reanimate. They come in a biodegradable coffin. We like to keep all of our sources or resources local. So reduce, reuse, and reanimate to me goes hand in hand with all of the products, minerals, obviously. So we're not using anything that's harmful to the earth. We're trying to bring the pet zombie apocalypse from local chaos to global pandemonium. I love that. You just sold it. That's perfect. Oh, really? Woohoo! Right. Yeah. <laughs> For everyone out there, 
Now you know why you need a pet zombie rock. Tell us how to find your page. Um, go to Kickstarter and search Pet Zombie Rock. Donate today. We've got seven days left. I think we're short about 3500 We can do this. I believe in you, and I believe that you're going to make it. I love you. Well, thank you very much, DJ Grandpa. Loves you. I, I, no one's ever told me that before. I don't. I don't know how to take it. But but really, thank you. well, that's a sad thing. I tell most people I love every single day. I love you. You've got to. <laughs> thank you very much. And please tell your team at Pet Zombie Rock at the Undead Forever that DJ Grandpa's pulling for you. I certainly will. Okay, that's it. The end of the show. I'd like to thank all of our guests this week. And a special thanks goes out to Devon Sproul for letting us use her song, Unmarked Animals. It's from her latest CD, I Love You, Go Easy. See you next week. So say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can like us on Facebook, search words, DJ Grandpa's Crib. You can also follow us on Twitter at DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. Search for DJ Grandpa's Crib in the iTunes store. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. And if you are not socially inclined, you can still reach DJ Grandpa the old-fashioned way by email. That's DJG at DJGrandpa.com. Each week, we will be talking to some of the most creative people on the planet. Stay tuned. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer for this and all House of Abdul podcasts is Abdullah Rufus. I'm coming home from my